From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're listening to Bruce Torres on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. This is World Stage, exposing the tyrannies and exploring our power with deep dives into history, current events, dangerous trends, and the nature of reality. Before I introduce my guest, I want to talk for a minute about doortofreedom.org, a great resource for truth and people pushing back against the encroachments that are strangling us, and particularly an article published in September, The Who's Proposed Treaty Will Increase Man-Made Pandemics by Merrill Nass. Just a minute about this. This report is designed to help readers think about some big topics, how to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare, how to assess proposals by the WHO and its members for responding to pandemics, and whether we can rely on our health officials to navigate these areas in ways that make sense and will help their population populations. We start with a history of biological arms control and rapidly move to the COVID pandemic, eventually arriving at plans to protect the future. She didn't put protect in quotes, but I just did verbally. Check that out at doortofreedom.org, a huge, wonderful resource for equipping us and informing us about this incredible and more almost unimaginable, almost unoverstatable threat to uh, freedom uh, descending upon us. With me this hour is James Roguski, researcher, author, and activist who documents the WHO's dangerous hidden agenda behind their proposed pandemic treaty and clarifies the proposed amendments to the international health regulations. His vision is out of the who and in with the new. He posts at jamesroguski.substack.com, R-O-G-U-S-K-I, and also at YouTube. His channel is the at symbol James Roguski. Thank you very much for coming back on my show again. James, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing very good. Uh, there's a lot of things to talk about. Where do you want to where do you want to start first? I think you're locked and loaded. I will give you the floor. Well, um, uh, in relation to what you mentioned at the uh, top of the show, um, I encourage people to, to go to thepeoplesdeclaration.com, which is essentially, if you understand what Meryl Nass said in that article and has been saying for decades, you know, she's been dealing with, um, you know, essentially biological warfare. If you've looked at the um, National Defense Authorization Act from December of 2022, you would realize that the United States has pledged a billion dollars a year for five years, and that would be four more years because that was a year ago, um, into the um, what they now call the pandemic fund. And all of that money goes to um, the global health security agenda. Now, that's not global health. That's not the global health agenda. That's global health security. Now, I think that's just a euphemism for biological warfare. There are many words that they use, um, dual use research of concern. The idea behind that is, oh, 
our enemies are going to make biological weapons, so we have to make them first and then make the antidote or the vaccine for them. So dual use, right? Research of concern. Most people would call it gain of function. And, you know, personally, I just think it's biological warfare hiding under the guise of trying to protect our health from the next pandemic. Well, you know, I don't know if anybody really, truly, if there's even any way to know what really happened in 2020 through now, okay? Um, it's a complicated series of events. But if it is the case that the Wuhan laboratory and their research played a part into what has happened over these past four years, you know, let me ask you a, a you know, rhetorical question, um, you know, trick question. Do you think that building more Wuhan you know, institutes of virology laboratories all around the world is going to increase or decrease the likelihood of having another pandemic. Indeed, the question answers itself. <laughs> okay. And so what is going on with these um, negotiations is they are trying to put tens of billions of dollars into building out the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex and laboratories that would work hand in hand with what they call the one health agenda. Now the one health agenda is not, you know, we're worried about the health of one person at a time and you know, their doctor and their treatment, what's right for them. That's not what one health means. What one health means. It's, it's really a horrible name. It, it really means they want to go searching everywhere possible every swab that went up someone's nose or in their mouth or up some other orifice any test you know a stool sample at your veterinarian's office when you bring your dog or your cat or bird or any other pet if you have a chicken coop or a pigsty or if you have a farm or your septic system or your sewage treatment plant or your local hospital where they grow some of the very best pathogens if they can find a pathogen with pandemic potential, people need to realize that that is being viewed by many nations as a valuable commodity, not to be used in a manner that most people would think is appropriate, but in exchange for benefits. And so in the proposed, you know, it's got so many words, I'm gonna call it by its latest incarnation, the um, proposed negotiating text for the pandemic agreement. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a mouthful. Um, basically, that is currently being rewritten, and we expect a new version sometime end of January, probably early February, for their next meeting. They're going to have a two-week-long marathon session at the end of February, and then another one a month later. Uh, so at the at this moment, anything I say has to be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt because they're busy doing a rewrite, okay? But what was in the latest version from October 30th was a pathogen access and benefit sharing system. And the idea is they would search all over the world to find pathogens that have pandemic potential bring them into the laboratories that they want to build all over the world, spending billions of dollars for this, 
and you know, sequence the genome, share that with pharmaceutical companies and other researchers who could then make drugs or jams to treat something that may or may not actually be causing a pandemic. It might just have the potential to do so. And that's one of the changes that they're hoping to make, that they could declare an emergency if something had the potential to cause a problem. So if they go looking in your septic system or your sewer and they find a slightly different variation of, you know, whatever they want to call um, the things that they sequence, because I don't believe the tests are, are true and, and accurate, but if they find what they want to call a new version of polio or, you know, any other ailment under the sun, uh, it, it triggers the fear-mongering mechanism. Mm -hmm. Because you can, you know, in a, in a sewage system, you can trace, you know, upstream from wherever the sewage was collected and cordon off an area of a city and say, well, somebody there might have something. So everybody's got to get jabbed in that location because they found something in the wastewater. Um, it, it's a system that is so deeply flawed, but yet so valuable to the industries that profit from it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I see it as a venture capital prospectus designed to build out a new growth industry. You know, pandemic profiteering, as long as there's the potential for another pandemic, there is profit to be made. You should go invest in the companies that are, you know, working in that industry. That's James, not an investment. I want, I, but, yeah. No, I just want to interject right there to circle that last observation that you just made, because that is a very, very usable and graspable concept and way of looking at it. And also, all that you've described, I just want to slow down and, and reflect on it so that everyone can appreciate it's, it's literally true. The provisions that you've just described are on the boards, on, on the table, in the documents, and it's that comprehensive of a control system to influence us, to intervene, to test, to track, and to dictate and demand, even though Tedros publicly says, no, it's not true that the WHO will usurp the sovereignty of member nations and states. Yes, it is, if you read the documents, and you're, you bend over backwards and have been publishing for a long, long time these documents for everybody to see for themselves. So continue with your with your explication, and then we're you know before we're done, I'm going to remind me if I don't remind you. I do want to talk about all that you suggest Americans could and should do to teach this to more people, and what actions more people could take so that we could do all that's humanly possible this month and leading up till May to to derail this juggernaut that's about to run us over. Well, you know, I've um, been holding off on publishing a big article because I wanted to do this interview and include this interview in the article when I send it out. So, you know, once we get the recording to this, um, I'll be publishing on my Substack, you know, a, a pretty substantive article about the main thing for the moment is um, the deadlines that are coming up near the end of January. And so, you know, look very soon today or tomorrow for a new article about this for me. The deadline for their proposed amendments, for them to submit a final package of targeted amendments 
in alignment with Article 55 of the IHR, I'm using their language, okay, is January 27th, which is a Saturday, which is three weeks from today as we're recording this. And so three weeks from today, one of two things should happen, but I think there's a third option that's likely to happen and maybe even a fourth one. Um, what is supposed to happen is the working group is supposed to have whatever nations have agreed to a package of targeted amendments to hand that over to the director general by um, January 27th. And that's because they have to do so four months in advance of the May meeting that um, he would then um, be obligated to notify all of and communicate that to all of the member nations. Now, if they do that, good on them. They've met their requirements according to international law. Um, if they don't do that, then they don't get to make any changes in May. That's the rule. Now, I suspect that they're going to choose a third option they're probably going to submit some kind of letter that says a bunch of stuff, but doesn't necessarily give us access to whatever they've been negotiating in secret. And so if they do propose, you know, the amendments that are to be considered, then we'll have all kinds of details to talk about. And we'll be able to talk about that intelligently. You know, I'm sure we'll get a chance to do that if we ever see such a document. I think the third option is more likely. They will put forth some type of propaganda document and say, oh, that meets the requirements for notifying the world. Yeah, we're going to be trying to adopt something in May without actually giving the details. Now, the Monday prior to that, January 22nd, and that whole week, they're having an executive um, board meeting of, you know, the executive uh, board of the WHO, they're going to be talking about quite a number of things, not the least of which is, um, you know, uh, I, I hope you're available um, in the fourth quarter of 2024. Maybe you'll get invited to their fundraising event that they're scheduling for their um, 14th um, general program of work. They're looking to raise um, $11 billion for the next four-year period, 2025 to uh, 2028. And, and see, the problem is maximum they get less than a billion dollars per year in uh, dues, if you will, or assessed payments from various countries. And they've been raising that. They're going to almost double it from 2025 to 2028. But that's a pittance, quite frankly, you know, in, in the world of um, spending that, that they deal with. They're basically trying to raise 11 point something billion dollars from donors around the world. And so they, they understand that um, they have to do the bidding of whoever gives the money. I believe the saying is um, whoever pays the piper calls the tune. And so this is something everybody needs to know about the WHO. It, it's not like the nations pay money and then they get to use it for the health of all people in the best way possible. The money goes where the donors say it goes and more and more and more that's going into mRNA 
um, you know, factories and research and, and so forth. It, it's astonishing that they don't seem to realize that, you know, it not only doesn't work, um, it causes more harm and death and destruction than any promise that it may have ever had. But that's it's where changed. they are headed. Mm -hmm. And we are headed to a break, but with me is James Roguski, once again, pouring out his heart and his intelligence to equip us with what we need to know about our ability to prevent and block bad things that are on paper and in store for us from the World Health Organization. And here now is important information from today's news talk, TNT. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are opportunity zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Today's News Talk Radio. I do a lot of streaming radio. I do a lot of free streaming. TNTradio.live. This is World Stage. With me is James Rogowski. James, you were well describing the um, upcoming deadlines. What what's what's next in the uh, teaching that I presume you've brought to this conversation? Well, you know, I'd, I'd like to um, center on a call to action for everybody around the world. Okay. Um, there are different strokes for different folks, if you will, different things going on around the world. Um, I'm actually going to be in, engaged in a symposium later today um, in Canada for anyone who is in Canada. Um, anybody can go to CanadianPetition.com and sign an official parliamentary petition calling for Canada to exit the United Nations and the WHO. It's very easy. Just go to CanadianPetition.com. I think they're up over 70,000 signatures so far. That's going to keep running until February 7th. 
And if you are not in Canada, read the petition and copy it and look to your nation to do the same thing. Reach out and give me a phone call, 310-619-3055. You know, there's a similar petition in the UK. Um, they don't have ukpetition.com, so you, you have to go find it on, on one of my articles on Substack. I'll be publishing that in the article that I mentioned after we're done with this interview. Um, they also have approximately 70,000 signatures on their petition to exit the WHO. Um, in the United States, maybe we're a little bit more blessed. Um, we actually have legislation that has been submitted into both the House uh, and the Senate. Uh, in the United States, you can go to stoptheglobalagenda.com. And if you live outside the United States, take that legislation. It's only about five or six pages long and rework it for your nation. Talk to representatives or you know members of parliament, wherever you may be. Um, this is something that needs to be done worldwide. Now, you can go to um, Canada Exit the um, WHO.ca. Um, and again, this will all be on my article. And um, I've been working with folks down in Australia for Australia Exits, the who.com, for well over a year now. Um, there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, quite frankly, maybe you know even millions by now uh, of, of people who are taking action to express what it is their feelings are. You, you had a, a news report just before we started um, about the expansion of the BRICS network. Um, they added Egypt and Ethiopia and Iran and Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates. I fully expect that someday in the relatively near future, I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna see a report on TNT radio that says that they're announcing the beginnings of the B H-O. Why in the world would the BRICS nations donate money to the WHO? I, I'm sure they're entirely capable of handling their health. What benefit do they get from the WHO? Well, let me try to explain how that actually works. Many of the nations get very, they have very small assessed payments. Uh, I looked up Central African Republic and their yearly dues are astonishing. It's it's in like the $5,000 range. Some other nations, 10, 20, 30, 40, $50,000, you know, quite frankly, very, very small amounts. Each nation gets one vote. And so if you vote in favor of what the WHO is doing and multi-million dollar contracts come for work in your nation, it's not about health. This is about how do you redistribute wealth? You pay a small fee to be a member of the group and possibly large contracts come your way. Why do you think people join country clubs? Because they get to interact with wealthy people and you know they don't golf to golf, they golf to you know try to do business on the golf course. Why do you think these small nations participate in the WHO? so that they can have more jabs and you know they think that those are making people healthier no it's the contracts and the business and and you know quite frankly the money laundering that happens in these meetings and at some point i think the brics nations are going to go 
wait a minute, um, we could get a better deal over here. Why are we going over there? Um, they're having too many requirements. And so what's really happening in these negotiations behind the scenes that nobody's talking about is the relatively poor nations have been submitting text that they want in the negotiating text of the documents. And the bureaucracy that's running the show and quite frankly, lying by saying, oh, this is a member nation led process. Well, talk to some of the smaller member nations who have submitted text and found that it was just flat out rejected, didn't even get into the negotiations. Well, they told the intergovernmental negotiating body, look, we're not happy with this proposed negotiating text for the pandemic agreement. Stop calling it the negotiating text because they didn't accept it as the negotiating text. Go back and rewrite it. So maybe the rewrite that we get at the beginning of February um, will be more suitable to the smaller, you know, less wealthy nations. Um, but they do not appreciate the manner in which they're being treated. I don't blame them. I don't agree with them, but I don't blame them for, you know, feeling that these negotiations are not on a you know fair um, playing field. They're arguing about intellectual property and investment and benefits and all of these many things. Um, at some point, they're going to wake up and realize maybe that they don't need the working group to submit amendments. They can just get together and submit them themselves. Or maybe they just walk away and find a better offer somewhere down the road. Because, you know, I'll ask everybody in the audience, um, what has the WHO ever done for you? Ever? Yeah. Um I always like to ask you, what are the, you know, the top 10, you've published this so well, I could, you know, it's in, in addition to the aforementioned Le Leviathan control grid and uh, imposition and mandating, um, how else would you flesh out the danger of the United States offering our wrists to be handcuffed by uh, these upcoming provisions if we do not, if enough of us don't demand that our representatives protect us and stop us from being handcuffed by uh, the WHO's plans? Well, you know, honestly, um, it, it's really got to be up to the people, right? Um, I don't refer to um, people in political office as leaders. Um, the people need to lead them by the nose and, and we'll be lucky if they follow our lead. Um, mm -hmm. Expecting them to actually lead, um, that's a very, very much a rare thing. And, and so it starts with awareness. Uh, the vast majority of people, you know, I mean, if I go back five years from, from now, I, I was not paying much attention to the WHO, I must admit. And, you know, that's the same thing with the World Economic Forum and the United Nations and all of these other globalist groups. The starting point is to share information like this video with other people, understand, you know, that they're leading their life. They may or may not have time or, you know, just the opportunity to spend the time to comprehend what the heck is going on. If mm. they show an interest, Okay, 
that's what I think people make a mistake about. Step number one is you raise people's awareness. And if they show an interest and, you know, a similarity to your views, now you have identified an ally, right? One of the groups in um, Canada, their name is freedomrising.info. If you go to freedomrising.info slash allies, you'll see that there are hundreds of groups across Canada who are very well organized and, you know, interact with each other and communicate. Don't spend your time trying to change the mind of someone who just really doesn't want to hear it at all. Spend the time sharing a video like this one, identifying people who do feel the need and the desire to work towards a better life in the future and identify who your allies are. It's one of the reasons I give my phone number out. When people call me, you know, I've generally found a new friend. I found a new person who, while we probably don't think identically, um, mm -hmm. we're probably, you know, headed in the same general direction, then you can find what your passions are. You can work on those particular items wherever that person may be passionate. So I'll do it again. My phone number is 310-619-3055. I've been able to, you know, connect with people around the world um, because people are, not everybody, clearly, it'll never be the case that everyone is on, you know, board with the same idea. But there is, um, you know, groups around the world who are looking at WHO and asking that question, you know, that I asked a few moments ago, what benefit are they? They put out tons of propaganda. They're, they're going to be begging for money. They're going to basically be seeking $11 billion in donations for a four-year period. They spent $1.1 billion in 2022 on salaries. Their average income is, you know, for their employees, 8,851 employees in 2022, their average income was $120,000 per year. Now, you know, maybe mm. I should go apply for a job. I don't think I'd get hired. But, you know, what are they doing other than generating an infodemic with thousands of bureaucrats who are regurgitating information, putting it out into the world and setting up a system that inhibits an individual man or woman from getting good advice from mm -hmm. whoever they take health advice from. They want protocols that feed the pharmaceutical industry. You know, I, I may have mentioned this with you before, or maybe it was on a different interview. You know, the, the core answer from the past four years was, well, if you've got a cough or you've got some kind of chest cold or you're not feeling well, well, you know, here's a, a ventilator and some midazolam. We'll just put you into a partial coma and do your breathing for you. Stick some remdesivir in your veins. And, you know, there's nothing else you can do. So you're just going to have to wait for the jab. Oh, wait that's for the remdesivir to destroy your kidneys. That's horrible health care. That is murder. And, yeah, and that's couple, what they're couple, pushing if you allow them to continue to exist. Quick interjection. I'm just so curious. You're the first I've ever seen give your phone number out. Um, what percentage, how risky has that ever been? What, what percentage of, of, you know, cranks and time wasters do you get? Um, I think I've only gotten one phone call in about 20 years. 
um, that was somebody who was upset and they weren't upset with me. They were just upset. Okay. And, um, I published a book back in 2005, I believe. Um, I've always given it away. It's, it's free. You can download the ebook on your doctor is a liar.com. And at the end of the book, I put my phone number. I figured if anybody went through the book and got to the end of it and found my phone number, I'd be more than happy to talk to them. And so the biggest risk, quite frankly, is, um, the sound in people's voice when I actually pick up the phone and say hello, and they were expecting to get a machine or, 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 or something. Um, you know, a lot of times people just want to vent, you know, that they're upset about whatever is in their life. But what I have found is um, there are certainly thousands of people who've reached out to me around the world who, you know, it's, it's the average person who, you know, someone who's watching this, show by the time they get here um if they really were going to disagree with anything we were saying they would be long gone mm -hmm. and and so it's it's kind of shocking actually what small percentage of people in today's world have the guts to pick up the phone you know you mentioned or one of the uh, um, um promos mentioned you know people have very short attention span and mm -hmm. um they want a text message or they want to, you know, communicate in that fashion, which is all very, very, very good. But um, what I think has happened over the last four years, more than anything, is personal relationships have been shattered. And whether it's family, friends, business, you know, whatever it might be, um, what we need to do is find people that we want to be friends with. And so I've been blessed, you know, I've made a world of new friends by being open to and, communication yeah. and invite yeah. how, how we got to meet you yeah amen yeah and it's it's so outside my paradigm before i saw you you know give your phone out and i did i saw it on a website i think and i just called you and it's such an exercise in courage and it's such a it's such a proof of your authenticity that you're, you know, that you were willing to put your phone number out there to talk about this information that you're bending over backwards to give us. It's such a selfless, you know, labor of love and from your heart. Take the praise, just take the compliment, and I and you and you are, and and I'll, and I'll take and I'll take the phone calls that result from it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and no, in, you know, in a minute. Uh, wait, I'm, James. Wait one second. In a minute or so, we're going to go to a break. But I also, and then I, I want to appreciate and maybe talk about on the other on the after the break all you described about being proactive and and creating and having the conversations to create something new in other words don't arm twist folks who poo poo the truths or the alternate way of looking at things that we or one would want to bring to people and uh i'm going to I'll flush out that uh a little bit more on the other side with me is James Rogusky and his substack is his name.substack, R-O-G-U-S-K-I, jamesroguski.substack. And here is important information from today's news talk, TNT. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So if you're traveling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. One, check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. 2. 
Think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighbourhood safer place. 3. It's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too... Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. James Rogoski is with me. Did I interrupt uh, your next thought or reflection there, James? Well, you know, um, my core thought is that, you know, we're starting off a new year. And late last year, we actually got really good news. And that's the simple fact that these negotiations are really not going all that very well for the WHO and all of the nations that are trying to put together this proposed um, uh, agreement and uh, amendments to the international health regulations. They're going to be having their executive board meeting from the 22nd to the 27th of January. The 27th is very clearly their deadline for proposing amendments that they would potentially be discussing or considering for adoption in May. They're rewriting the treaty, which I, I want to caution people, don't get confused. If you hear that a new treaty has been you know, put out there, that is likely to be different than the amendments that they're having difficulty agreeing on. And so you know, that may be coming um, towards the end of January or early February. Um, the good news is that they would have loved to have had all of this been done in complete secrecy. Nobody paying attention, you and I not having these conversations. And quite frankly, you know, many, many, many other people around the world have been um, talking about this. But I've got a bone to pick about a couple of things. Not with you, but number one, this deadline is really coming up quickly. And the WHO's failure to do what they said they were going to do back in December, the, their meeting on December 7th and 8th was supposed to be the final meeting where they present, you know, here's what we're going to be considering in May, give it to the review committee and then, you know, distribute it in mid-January. The simple fact that they have failed to do that somehow has not gotten into the alternative media even. And I, I wonder if people have been vaccinated against good news, right? Mm. This is really good news. People should be talking about it. I, I hope that by January 27th, millions of people are aware that, you know, we're watching a WHO train wreck. Now, I suspect that they're going to submit 
a document that they say is adequate. And I believe it's just going to be a bunch of hogwash, going to be a bunch of propaganda. It needs to have a targeted pack, you know, package of targeted amendments that they're going to be considering. We have the right to see those documents and consider them and discuss them and debate them for four months prior to their assembly. I'm going to be putting forth freedom of information requests just because, and I hope people will do it around the world and other countries, asking for, did the director general fulfill his obligation and inform our delegates about amendments that are to be considered or didn't he? Right. And so the second bone that I want to pick is back in um, May of 2022, the World Health Assembly lied. They put forth the document on May 28th, 2022, that said they voted on a small package of amendments that they actually never conducted the vote. I mean, literally, they fraudulently are claiming that amendments were adopted in 2022, and they never held a vote. Now, don't take my word for it. A dozen members of the European Parliament back in November sent a letter to the WHO Director General Tedros and said, you know, would you be kind enough to send us evidence that we should pay any attention to this document because we can't see where there was actually a vote and, and so it's astonishing to me that nobody in even the alternative media is raising this obvious scandal and, and letting people know just how low the WHO will go to deceive the population. It's, the evidence has been there. It's, you know, the, the meeting that they purport to have had this vote happen is on their website. It's all recorded. And they say they had a vote on their eighth plenary session uh, at the 75th World Health Assembly. Mm -hmm. It's astonishing to me that, um, you know, boy, you watch the news and there's everything else under the sun being reported, but you've mm -hmm. got evidence of a fraudulent claim of uh, amendments to international law being, you know, put forth by a dozen members of the European Parliament. And you just you you can't get that into the news cycle. It's astonishing to me. And but and all but, the and the and the citizens of the world can presumably write or email harass the WHO in addition to harassing our representatives about the WHO, right? I mean, nothing stops yeah. people from hold, trying to hold their feet to the fire to, for instance, at the end of this month is, if I understand, to produce the amendments that are going to be voted on in May. That's what's coming, right? Mm -hmm. That's correct. And and yeah. so um, what I've you know realized through the years is that relying on anyone else to do something for you, yes, we all work together and we cooperate, but you know, each individual person who's watching this show can take the easy path and just take the link to the show and share it. And I don't mean just hit the share button and put it on your social media platform. I mean, think about every human being that you know, every man, woman, you know, go down your phone list, go down your email list, go down your social media, you know, direct message list and, and share 
whatever pertinent information you feel is important. And when you go from A to Z, then you can say, okay, look, I've tried to raise the awareness of the people yeah. in my life. You don't have to convince them. That's, that's not your duty. But right. if you don't share important information with them, then you're essentially censoring that information. And, and so censoring it, we, and also you're a deadhead on the ship of life, and you can't <laughs> complain where the where the captain takes you. Yeah, and and so you know it's it's a different story when people try to convince someone else. Personally, mm. I think that's a waste of time. You can try if you want; maybe you'll get somewhere. But yeah. if if you walked into a room, and there were a hundred people there, and you were you know I'll just pick something up. If you're an avid gardener. And you went up to the first person and said, I want to talk to you about gardening. Well, you might get lucky. They might have a garden. They might want to talk to you about that. But if instead you said, hey, does anybody here want to talk about gardening? You're going to have better conversations. And you might actually get people together where you could exchange information. You can work together. You want to identify your allies and then have yeah. a plan of action rather than trying to convince people who do not want to take the red pill and leave the matrix. They yeah. want to take another blue pill, go back into their comfortable life and not be bothered with doing the work that's necessary to make the world in the future a better place. Right. And, it's and about so creating, it's a, I think it's about creating a platform. If someone doesn't have a Substack like yours, uh, a show like this one, but they want to get into action about the truth. They could simply create some kind of platform, some kind of page where they put links to your work, to TNT shows and advertise that around. Hey, if you want to see valuable information about this, that, and the other topic, keep it simple, pick three or four and invite people well, it, to that. It's a lot it, more uh, stress-free than, you're right, getting into flaming wars on social media and arguments trying to convince people who are entrenched. And I just want to make this point, James. Over these years with COVID, I've had the privilege of talking to uh, doctors and nurses who rebelled. They wouldn't take the shots. They didn't wouldn't wear masks. And they've created things like websites or even nonprofits to spread the truth and Get, get health solutions to people. And I occasionally ask them, back when you were on the horns of this and you were struggling with this, and even now, as you look back, how many in that whole hospital or in your whole practice uh, felt like you did, took a stand like you did, and even, you know, did something, whether it's rebel or walk out, you know, 10%? And they typically said, no, 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 far less than that. Mm -hmm. So that means... The doctors and the nurses and the lawyers and the all the professionals who are entrenched in this system, who can't think for themselves, who are so proud of their educations and all their degrees, they're in lockstep with the I'll say the mainstream. And they will they will laugh at you and me as, you know, conspiracy theorists. Don't try to twist their arms and talk them into anything. You know, they're in God's hands and they'll see what they see uh, when they see it. So it's important uh, for me to flesh all that out for the benefit of whoever's listening and watching. Well, you know, there's always something that any person can do. What you mentioned earlier reminded me, I, I have a visual, I don't have it handy right now to show people, 
but um, I got um, some images from supporters in Romania who back in May when the World Health Assembly was happening, they got a piece of cardboard and a marker and they put a sign up and they found themselves you know, behind uh, a news reporter who's live on the scene and they got themselves into the camera angle to, you know, spread their message on a piece of cardboard, went out on, you know, national television. Um, people all have a phone or a camera or, you know, somebody who has a phone or a camera and mm -hmm. whatever it is you might want to say, whatever mm -hmm. your opinion is, whatever your knowledge base is, whatever your passion is, take the camera and just turn it right back on yourself because their perspective is they give us you know millions of words about what their plan is i've got a 46 page general program of work that the who is going to be talking about on january 12th right they're trying to get this money to go through the executive board meeting and they want to have all this fundraising next year um nobody else you know really wants to read that document you don't need to what you need to do is look inside your heart and say, this is what I want in my future. I, I, I don't want the WHO doing this. I want to right. live in a free world, you know, to take care of my own health. Everyone has the power to record themselves and put that out there on all of the many platforms that are available. And what they do is they do that in an enormous way with millions mm. of words and tons of documents and all these different things. Mm. And then mm. their attitude is, well, nobody objected. So I guess you're all fine with that. And so yeah. the whole concept of silence equaling consent is wiped out when you speak up. So speak yeah. up, you know, share other people's words, you know, get a link to something that you feel is, is, you know, good information share that, but mm -hmm. look inside yourself, either write it down. Um, you know, people in China, um, about a year ago, you know, they held up blank sheets of paper because they felt they were being censored. Um, many people feel shy about putting, you know, their face or their voice on paper, just write out on a piece of paper and take a photograph of it, whatever it is you want to say and put it out there. You'll be surprised. Um, Somebody will say something that triggers, you know, a thought in another person. It goes and goes and goes. And, and before you know yeah. it, um, it, it's it's everywhere. And it's always best when it comes back around to you. You know, you start something, you put it out there. People right. share it around. And then when they share it back with you, not knowing that it started with you, then right. you realize the impact that you can have. So picking you know, up on that, on that, on that circular metaphor at the top. I, I believe you described, you know, certain things you wanted to talk to me about today in hopes of capturing it for a post you plan on. Is there anything that uh, you haven't brought forth that you wanted to? You know, I, um, I think I got most all of it. You know, the issue is we have to hold them accountable to their own rules. In May of 2022, they said they voted to adopt amendments and they lied, right? And now they know that their deadline to submit the amendments that they want everyone to consider in May, they mm -hmm. told us in October that they're going to miss their deadline. I fully expect them to try to 
put some document together to confuse everybody and continue to cheat because they've got meetings scheduled for February and April. But the rule is clear. So we all need to know the rules and hold them to the rules. And the, the job at hand is to just raise everyone's awareness. You can have a little bit of fun with it. Um, hey, do you know what is likely to not happen uh, at the WHO prior to January 27th? They're, they're likely to not get their act together. And therefore, the rules are that they don't get to make any changes this year in the amendments to the international health regulations. If enough yeah. light is shined on that, mm -hmm. um, we'll get to see how they try to squirm and wiggle their way out of their own rules. And also, at the least, in addition to, to that, it's, you know, StopTheGlobalAgenda.com. Is that one of the sites? Um, because StopTheGlobalAgenda.com uh, is for folks in the United States to support legislation to exit the WHO. You can call all and of your senators and congresspeople and tell them we want out. Yeah. And also at jamesreguski.substack, learn, 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 and get convinced about how truly threatening and awful the the plans are and why one and everyone must do something all you can to forestall that and to protect ourselves because we don't have to passively just be taken there. We don't have to just sit down and let this be inflicted on us. We are not powerless. We are not powerless. We can we can work to protect ourselves and, and equip any power and empower enough people to make a difference, right? Well, you know, I'm looking forward to the remainder of 2024, um, organizing people who want to make the world a better place. Um, it starts with the person that's looking back at you in the mirror. And so when you make a decision that you're going to do what you can, whatever that may be, um, then you find that after you've done what you can, you know what, you can do a little bit more. And if life takes a hold of you and you've got to take care of the things that are you know important in your life, by all means, you have to do that. But it's really easy to just spread information and get around the censorship that people, you know, are dealing with. Um, this is good news, so spread it. In addition to your work at jamesroguski.substack and also doortofreedom.org, which I, I believe I mentioned earlier, uh, is there any from the hip? We've got about a minute left, James. Is there any other well, I, resource you would recommend? Um, I work very closely with um, Dr. Rima Labo, and um, she's got a very easy-to-remember website. It's... Um, Something that everybody should be on board with, I would think, um, preventgenocide2030.org. So if you go to preventgenocide2030.org, if that's what you would like to promote um, going forth in the future, please do. Amen. Preventgenocide2030.org. And what are your New Year's resolutions? My New Year's resolutions? Um, you know, everybody wants to lose 20 pounds, but uh, um, what I'm basically doing is when I wake up every morning, I make a decision what it is that I want to do that day, and I don't let the rest of the world distract me from what my goals are. And, and so I encourage everybody to do that. Don't Amen, let the James. world control your life, control your own.
I thank you, James Rikuski. Thank you for joining me on today's News Talk TNT.